This is the Epoch Times. Welcome to Epoch Audio, showcasing the best journalism covering news, culture, and society, addressing issues overlooked or avoided by other media. For the text version of this and more articles providing truth, tradition, and hope, please go to theepochtimes.com. Flesh-eating bacteria cases on the rise. Here are the symptoms. Written by Marina Jung. A flesh-eating bacteria called Vibrio vulnificus has been making headlines, with news of deaths and patients having to amputate limbs to control the infection. While the bacterium tended to be more prominent in the Gulf Coast states, in recent months cases have also spread northward, with cases in New York, North Carolina, and Connecticut. So what is Vibrio vulnificus, and will they really eat flesh like in horror movies? Flesh-eating bacteria cases on the rise. Vibrio vulnificus is a type of so-called flesh-eating bacteria that can cause life-threatening infections. Infections with this bacteria are rare, but are on the rise. Microbiologist and distinguished professor Rita Colwell from the University of Maryland, who has been studying Vibrio bacteria for 50 years, said that cases of infections have increased by many-fold in recent decades. Around 150 to 200 cases of Vibrio vulnificus infections are reported to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention every year. About 20% of those infected die within a day or two of being infected. Vibrio vulnificus thrive in warm, salty, and brackish waters. Hence, Vibrio vulnificus infections are the most commonly reported in Gulf Coast states like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and particularly Florida, which has one of the longest coastlines in the United States. However, there has also been an increase in Vibrio vulnificus reports along the East Coast. Dr. William Schaffner, a professor of preventative medicine and health policy at the Infectious Disease Division in Vanderbilt University Medical Center, told the Epoch Times, Physicians along the Gulf Coast were familiar with this infection, but now the Vibrio is moving up the eastern seaboard. I think physicians there, particularly those who work in the emergency room, are having to learn more about this infection. Between 1992 and 2022, infectious cases of Vibrio vulnificus increased five-fold in Florida and eight-fold in eastern states between 1988 and 2018, according to a recent paper led by Colwell. The paper investigated the coastal waters for Vibrio vulnificus and Vibrio parahemolyticus, a related bacteria in the same genus after Hurricane Ian. Researchers found that hurricanes and floods may increase the prevalence of Vibrio vulnificus in coastal waters. Since Vibrio vulnificus is rarer in coastal waters, Colwell was surprised by the concentration of the bacterium detected in water samples. Hurricane Ian created an environment facilitating the growth of Vibrio bacteria. She added, The turbulence that's created by the storm, where you have the sediments swept up and turned up, you have runoff with nutrients coming in from groundwater runoff. This brings heavy, rich nutrient mix into where you already give the water conditions good for the plankton populations, which the Vibrio bacteria attach to, to become abundant. With the temperature of the water being so much higher, you've got this kind of colossal concatenation of events that are ideal for increased risk of bacteria being abundant in number and hence potential for infection. How do flesh-eating bacteria eat flesh? 
Usually, if the skin barrier is intact, the bacterium cannot cause skin infection. Skin-eating bacteria commonly infiltrate through a break in the skin's barrier, such as scrapes, cuts, or wounds, and cause rapid and progressive tissue death as the bacteria release toxins that break down nearby muscles, nerves, and blood vessels. They can also infiltrate the abdominal wall, perianal, and groin area, usually among immunocompromised patients. The body's immune response also contributes to the worsening of infected tissue. As more immune cells attend infected tissues, pressure and air builds up in the muscles, further accelerating the death of muscle tissues, nerves, and blood vessels. This rapid tissue death is called necrotizing fasciitis and gives the impression that the bacterium is eating away at the flesh. Several other bacteria can cause necrotizing fasciitis. The most common culprit behind this condition is Group A streptococcus or Group A strep. The rise in Vibrio vulnificus cases, particularly with reports in states where infections were once rare, has alerted health agencies and local governments. Signs of infection. Flesh-eating or necrotizing fasciitis causes severe pain in the infected areas due to the pressure and tissue damage. Dr. H. Dealey Davies, a pediatric infectious disease expert and the senior vice chancellor for academic affairs and dean for graduate studies at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, told the Epoch Times, incredible pain is one of the tipping points. Some patients may show no signs of physical injuries as the bacterium may have entered the body through orifices. This tends to occur in the immunocompromised. Even if the bacterium entered through a wound in the skin, the infection may not appear at that entry site. Patients may also develop redness or a blister near the wound opening. Dr. Davies said, occasionally you'll see a blister that's got blood or black blood underneath it. But the key message really is they just show up with a lot of pain, often without being able to explain the reason for that pain. Redness, swelling, and pus formation may also occur. Amputation not always needed. Dr. Davies said surgical intervention is the most important intervention in necrotizing fasciitis. The surgeon may perform a fasciotomy opening up the skin at the area of the pain to release pressure. Then the surgeon examines the muscle, fascia, and soft tissues for signs of dead tissues. These are removed and the open cut is washed with sterile water to remove any remaining bacteria. Antibiotics are also injected into the blood for support. However, Dr. Davies said the antibiotics cannot enter the fascia, so they are only given to prevent blood infection. Gradually, the infection in the limbs can infiltrate blood vessels, leading to sepsis. This can cause the organs to work poorly, and patients may suffer a dramatic drop in blood pressure that can damage the lungs, kidneys, liver, and other organs, potentially leading to death. Symptoms of sepsis include fever, shaking, chills, a drop in blood pressure, and the patient looking very ill. Amputation in infected limbs is the final resort if the infection becomes too extensive. Usually, doctors have tried removing damaged tissue and prescribed antibiotics by this stage, yet the infection is either failing to clear or worsening. Dr. Davies said, comparing the bacterial infection to water leakage in a sink, if they're so sick that every time you check the blood, the bacteria is in there, that means you have a tap turned on somewhere. If you don't turn off that tap, no matter how much antibiotics you give, it's like wiping the floor while the tap is turned on. So part of the reason you do the amputations is to basically turn off the volume of water that's coming into the sink. Most people are going to be fine. 
According to the CDC, one can reduce their risks of infection by staying out of salty or brackish water when they have a wound from a surgery, piercing, or tattoo. Dr. Davies said the wound should also be covered with a waterproof bandage if there's a chance of being in contact with salt water, brackish water, or raw or undercooked seafood and its juices. Wounds and cuts should also be washed thoroughly with soap and water after coming in contact with any of those things. While this may not remove all the bacteria, it can help lower the overall bacterial count and make infections more manageable. All in context, this is a rare condition. Most people who are in brackish water or salt water are going to be fine. However, anyone with underlying liver disease, diabetes, cancer, or who is in an immunocompromised condition should ensure that they do not have any cuts or bruises before entering water. Cook oysters thoroughly before eating. Less commonly, Vibrio vulnificus can also cause foodborne poisoning through the consumption of raw shellfish and oysters. Vibrio parahemolyticus make up the majority of foodborne infections among Vibrio bacteria. Most people infected with Vibrio tend to suffer for three days with diarrhea, stomach cramps, and vomiting before recovering. In rarer cases, people can die from a gut infection. Over 95% of deaths from the consumption of seafood are caused by Vibrio vulnificus. Dr. Schaffner said, an infection can come from consuming raw or undercooked oysters and shellfish that entrap the bacterium. However, healthy people usually do not develop a severe gut infection from consuming raw or undercooked shellfish contaminated with Vibrio. Immunocompromised people and those with liver cirrhosis or high iron concentration in the blood are particularly at risk. For people who develop a gut infection, if the infection is not eliminated, the bacterium may infiltrate the gut lining to the blood vessels, causing potentially fatal blood infections. Dr. Schaffner also said this does not bother normal people, but immunocompromised people are admonished to not eat raw oysters. Thank you for listening to Epoch Audio. This was Flesh-Eating Bacteria Cases on the Rise. Here are the symptoms. Written by Marina Jung and read for you by Chris Rod. For more Epoch Times articles in text, please visit theepochtimes.com. This is the Epoch Times.